You've got shit. I've got shit. We've all got shit. So let's therapize that shit with your host, me, Joy Gerhard. Please note, I am not a therapist. I cannot and do not diagnose anyone or prescribe anything. This is just me, someone who struggles with mental illness, emotions, and intrusive thoughts, sharing what skills I've used and how I've used them. Also, trigger warning, trigger warning, in this podcast, I talk about sensitive topics including mental illness, suicidal ideation, self-harm, rape, childhood sexual assault, trauma, and more. I also swear here and there, so listener discretion is advised. If you're new to the podcast, some context for you. I've gotten a ton of value out of doing group therapy and watching others process their shit. In group, I can see other people's patterns and behaviors much more clearly because they aren't my patterns and behaviors, but rather they're adjacent to mine. It's such a relief. A relief. I want to share this relief with you via this podcast, wherein I practice skills while actually in the thick of shit. Each episode, I typically do an introduction and provide some context. Then I play a recording of me actively dealing with shit. This isn't me talking about psychology or theories. I'm, ac- I'm actually in distress, having strong emotions and strong urges. You're going to hear me crying, angry, numb. But my intention is always to move through an emotion, never to stay there. So stick with me, and we'll actually come out on the other side by the end of the episode. Alrighty, let's hop to it. Welcome, welcome. Um, we're continuing. This is the f- f- uh, fourth and final part of my series on the genocide that's happening in Gaza right now. And um, if you're new to the podcast, this is a massive deviation from the type of content I normally post. Um, and it's also a massive deviation from from my normal um, production quality because I'm trying to get this shit up as quickly as possible. I'm not going to be talking hardly at all. I'm basically introing and outroing videos and um, social media posts and um news, um, articles and et cetera, um, rather than actually talking all that much. Um, these are, um, videos, um, Instagram accounts, TikTok accounts, um, uh, statistics, um, headlines, what have you, um, that have informed my understanding of what's happening over there. And because it's a genocide that's happening, right in front of our very eyes. I think it's vitally important to talk about it and I'm using the only platform that I really have um, to do that. So here we are. Um, and like I said, I'm not going to be editing any of this after the fact. Um, I know like the transitions are super rough. I'm using PowerPoint because it's the thing I know how to use and I don't have time to learn a new program. Um, so all of this is going to be super clunky and that's just going to be how it goes. And yeah, so um, I want to start off by sharing a video that share that is basically a summary of my own perspective about Palestine. So this is um, oh, I should give you context to this too. 
So for the previous three episodes, episode 39, 40, and 41, I've been doing a, a this deep dive um, and covering kind of different topics in each episode. The first one was about the historical context of Israel's um, apartheid against Pal- Palestinians. The second one, oh my God, what was the second one? Um, hang on. Uh, this is embarrassing and we're just going to keep talking while I look for it because I'm not going to edit it, edit any of the, the I'm not going to edit this. So you're coming along for the ride. Um, episode 40 was episode 40 episodes. Episode 40 was, oh, propaganda and misinformation. That's right. Um, and then episode 41, which I've misnamed. Good job, Joy. Um, yes, episode 41. There we go. Update. Um, episode 41 is about um, white supremacy in the United States complicity in the Israeli genocide of, of Palestinians. And this final episode is going to be about um anti-semitism um and we're going to hear from some jewish folks and we're going to end with the most important voices of this entire thing the palestinians who are actually in gaza right now um under attack so i've taken oh let's see um 90 90 yes 90 references these are, again, TikTok videos, Instagram posts, um, uh, news articles, transcriptions of speeches, assorted things, and posted them in a Google Sheet. The link is in the description. Which So if you want to go and take a look at these the videos that I'm sharing here, of course, this is a podcast. All you're getting is the audio. Um, but a link to all of the accounts, all of the videos... All of them are numbered, and before I introduce them, I'm going to share with you what the number is so that you can go look it up yourself if you want to see it. Also, normally I share um, a YouTube video, which is just my logo with the audio of the podcast, on YouTube um, for each episode of all of my podcasts. Um, these, these, this four-part series is different because this is actually, you're going to see on the screen, the video is... Um, I just lost my train of thought. <sighs> the video is actually with TikTok videos and Instagram videos and assorted other things embedded in it. So you can actually go and watch this YouTube video if you would like. Again, description is in the link. And um, I think that sets us up powerfully enough and we're ready to, to go now. So this first video is the video I've started and ended all the previous parts with, and it's a good summary of my perspective about what's happening in Gaza. And this is reference number 82 in the spreadsheet. Um, this is from TikTok account at Utica Masjid. Masjid is another word for mosque. So this is a Muslim man sharing his perspective about what's happening in Gaza. Here we go. We're with the Palestinian resistance 100%. No ifs, no ands, no buts, no equivocations, no apologies, no condemnations. We don't need to go any further than that, right? Some people want to criticize the table manners of a starving person. You don't criticize the table manners of a starving person. You let them eat, right? You want to talk about, well, they shouldn't be doing things this way or they should be doing things that way. All right, get your boot off my neck and then walk. 
right? And it's like, this occupation has been going on for however many years. Stop the occupation and then we'll talk. Then we can talk about table manners. Then we can talk about this tactic and that tactic, right? But what happens is every single time is that we, we zoom in on the details and we forget about the bigger picture. And that's why we say Palestine has to be free first, period. And then we'll talk. Right. Okay. So now we're going over to um, reference number 74. This is from TikTok account at Jordan Simone. And um, she is a black woman who is also a poet and a womanist and is going to be talking about the distinctions between Palestine, Islam, terrorism, etc. Remember the other day when I told you how to stop conflating Judaism as a religion with Zionism and by proxy the actions of Israel and then using that to justify your anti-Semitism because that's really messed up? Remember that? Because I hope you do. A lot of y'all cheered as you should because we should all condemn anti-Semitism. So since we all agreed, we all clapped, we all applauded, I don't know why the same logic did not then transfer to Palestine. I'm seeing a lot of people conflate Palestine, the country and the people that come from diverse backgrounds and diverse religions to Islam as a whole, Islam to terrorism, and are using that to justify their Islamophobia and why they believe that Palestine should be ethnically cleansed off the map. And more pressingly, because awful people exist everywhere and they will always use terrifying scenarios like this to justify their hatred and bigotry, I'm seeing significantly fewer people condemn this behavior. I've been seeing a lot of comments. Do you condemn Hamas? Do you condemn Hamas? Do you condemn Hamas? Like we did not spend the last over 20 years having the horrors and atrocities of terrorism shoved down our throats. Yes, it is bad. But y'all are using that to justify Islamophobia and actual cultural erasure as if at least the Americans did not spend 2016 to 2020 begging for the entire world to understand that we, the United States citizens, are not represented by that one man. But when I look for people condemning the actions of Israel as they've cut off, you know, food, water, and electricity to a population of people, it's crickets. I cannot stress this enough. Y'all don't want peace because you don't actually advocate for it. You advocate for the status quo as you know it because you think that is what peace looks like. If y'all want that peace that you insist that you do, you have to extend that same empathy to all human beings and not all expectations of condemnations of violence are happening across the board or else you're just advocating for one side and you're doing it under the guise of peace. So as you are rightfully looking to your friends and your loved ones and your communities to condemn anti-Semitism, y'all better be doing the same work to condemn Islamophobia because y'all's peace movements are looking a little one-sided. Yeah, um, and a lot of the context for what she was saying about um, a lot of the, like, if you're looking for historical context, the, the previous three episodes that I've shared um, go into that in great detail. I'm not going to be recapping all of that um, leading into this one because I'm going to assume that you'll listen to all four episodes in order because uh, I think that presents the information in a way, well, I'm just noticing myself anticipating a problem that may not actually happen and expecting people to listen to this out of order and not understand the references that I'm making. Blah, 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 joy. You can't control how people listen to it. It's okay. Anyway, um, if you're looking for more information about, um, about anything, watch the previous three or listen to the previous three episodes and that will hopefully give you some more information. Okay, moving on. Um, the next, this next reference is reference number 44 and this is from TikTok account at Travis H. Ruffler. Um, it's going to start with a very short clip from Under the Desk News, another TikTok account. Um, 
several videos in the previous um, episode talked about some things that Under the Desk News was sharing. They're sharing a lot of Under the Desk News, that TikTok account is sharing a lot of Zionist um, uh, propaganda. And um, so the the clip I'm about to play for you starts with like two seconds of what Under the Desk News is sharing. And then you're going to hear from the actual account of Travis H. Ruffler, who will be breaking it down. So here you go. And a lot of leftists support a free Palestine. The full length of their video is two minutes and 46 seconds. And the three seconds that you just saw was the entirety of their commentary on what Palestinians are fighting for. They are right about one thing, which is that you will see leftists only calling a full-throated support for free Palestine. Because if you see anybody who calls themselves a leftist that says anything otherwise, they're not a leftist, they're a liberal at best. And you know what happens when you scratch a liberal? A fascist bleeds. To be clear, Israel is an apartheid state, and they've spent the last 60 years taking land away from Palestinians and stripping them of their rights and all possibilities of them being able to fight back. So, of course, if you have 60 years of disenfranchisement and colonization, the backlash isn't going to be nice. Now, here in the U.S., the major pushback against a free Palestine you're going to hear is that criticizing the Israeli government or Israelis is anti-Semitic. And I assure you it is not. I know this because Zionism is not Judaism. And while the Jewish people do have a very long history of being an oppressed group that is worth protecting, that doesn't give the right of a nation state to start apartheid and do more oppression just because they claim to represent that religion. But hey, neoliberals are going to neoliberal, and they're not going to get invited to the White House and hang out with Biden if they don't tow the company line. So uh, the comments about neoliberalism is specifically in this video in reference to Under the Desk News. Um, So we're also seeing a little bit of um, criticism of of the way media is reporting this stuff. Um, Next, we're going to hear from... Hang on. Nope. Next, we're going to hear from um, reference number 37. This is TikTok account at Jordan Simone again. Um, Again, this is TikTok account at Jordan Simone. Um, And um, yeah, they're going to be talking again uh, more about conflating Israel with Judaism. So here we go. Oh, they're responding to a comment that says if you can't condemn Hamas without saying but Israel did insert whatever first you are anti-semitic anti-woman and anti-lgbtq and this is Jordan Simone's response to that comment if you can't condemn Hamas without saying but 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 Israel did insert whatever first you're anti-semitic anti-woman and anti-lgbtq okay let's talk about it Because calling someone anti-Semitic, anti-woman, and anti-LGBTQ for advocating for the decolonization of an occupied land is pretty heavy hittens. Because I can say with your eyes, bold-faced, that the grape and essay of women and children is wrong. It's abhorrent. The means do not justify the ends because it's not a tool of liberation. It is a tool of oppression to keep marginalized bodies, women and children, down. It is a tool of war in order to exercise power. And that's what we're trying to dismantle here. 
And contrary to what a lot of y'all think because you're not actually listening, what comes after that is not a justification. What comes after that is contextualization and pointing out your hypocrisy because y'all did not care when the same scenario was playing out again and again and again for decades to Palestinian women and children since you care so much about the innocent. You don't want to confront the actual oppressive system in the room because we have been indoctrinated to think that that is the correct team, that they are the victims, that that is supposed to be the winning side. And it is because we have conflated Israel with Judaism. Yes, most of Israel's occupants are Jewish. Many of the Israeli casualties are Jewish. It is horrific. But the Free Palestine Movement is not about the fact that they are Jewish. It's about the fact that regardless of the justification, regardless of the means, regardless of the intent, Israel is a settler state. They walked into a place already inhabited and said, we live here now. And over decades and generations have pushed the living people out or simply killed them. And this includes Palestinian queer people. And this includes Palestinian women. And this includes Palestinian Jewish people. This includes all of Palestine. So when I say that I mourn and grieve the intense loss of life that happened in Israel and that what had happened is not a tool of liberation, but perpetualizing the marginalization that has taken place in every war for centuries, I mean that. But do you mean it? Because this same scene has played out for decades for the Palestinian men and women and children, and y'all have been crickets. I'm asking why you care about the innocents today who the innocents are and why you define them that way. And if you really cared about all of these lives and all of these people the way that you say you do, why you have not taken issue with this very prevalent decades long crisis any sooner. Don't question my character and don't get mad at me because you tuned in today. I know a horror when I see one and call them out pretty indiscriminately. Do you? Right. Um, and that point is one that's going to get made over and over again, that Judaism is not the same as Israel. Zionism is not the same as Judaism. Um, and so we're just we're going to keep hearing that. So sorry, I'm, I'm getting tongue tied here. Um, up next, as I was saying, reference number 29. This is from TikTok account at no silence where the L in silence is actually the number one. Um, they are a Muslim woman who is going to who is going to talk more about anti-Semitism and um, Zionism. All right, here we go. So before I start, I just want to state that I will not be tolerating any hate, any ignorance, any bigotry, any meanness in my comment section. Now that that's established, I have a few things that I want to say. Number one being, listen to Palestinians. The Palestinians are the oppressed fighting for liberation. Theirs are the voices that matter the most and need to be uplifted the most in this situation. Number two is for everyone who's scared of being labeled an anti-Semite by vocalizing their support for Palestinians. I really just want to remind you guys that Palestinians did not choose their oppressors. They did not choose to be the victims of a nationalist white supremacist movement. That is simply the reality that they have to contend with. A white supremacist agenda being pushed through the lens of Judaism in order to consume Palestinian land 
is no different than a white supremacist agenda using Christianity as a lens to claim manifest destiny and consume Turtle Island. Now, is it a very scary thing that the Israeli government claims that all of the oppression, all of the brutalizing, all of the erasure of Palestinians is being done on behalf of Jews globally? Yes, but the burden of stopping another violent wave of anti-Semitism from sweeping the globe does not fall on the shoulders of Palestinians who simply want clean water, food, and freedom to roam their own land. Which brings me to my third point, which is that along with all of the egregious crimes that Israel has specifically enacted against Palestinians, one of their ongoing crimes that is going to have dangerous repercussions if we do not countermand it is the fact that they are equating all of their oppressive actions to Judaism. Zionism does not equal Judaism. Israeli does not equal Judaism. The Jewish community is not a monolith. And insisting that Israel acts for all Jews is an egregious insult to a community that has a long history of fighting against oppression and an unconscionable act of disrespect and erasure to the Jews that are going out of their way to use their platform and use their voice to stand alongside Palestinians. Which brings me to my last point. Despite the continuous dehumanizing of the Palestinian people and the insistence that they are unnecessarily violent and bloodthirsty, the reality is that Palestinians recognize the importance of an alliance with Jewish people. Palestinians recognize the importance of the support of Jewish people. Unlike the Israeli government, Palestinians are not attempting to eradicate an entire community. They are attempting to achieve equality. And all of the hunger strikes, all of the protests, all of the boycotts, all of the pleas to the international courts of law have gone ignored. The global community has pushed them to the point where they do not have any other option. And no matter what you believe, the center, the core of their liberation movement is not based off of hatred. It is based off of a need for freedom. Yeah, um, I was going to mention the uh, reference. I don't remember which one this was. Hang on. Um, Uh, this is, uh, I mentioned this in episode, I think, hold on. I'm almost there. I'm going to be able to, I'm going to be able to answer this. Um, God damn it, Joy. Unhide. Uh, episode 39, um, this is reference number 39, nope, reference number 33, by the account at fake Jillian Halal, um, who said that nonviolent resistance requires an audience. And if the global community is refusing to watch or 
is believing the propaganda shared by the Israeli government, then nonviolent resistance is futile. Um, and you can check out um, reference number 33 in the spreadsheet um, to hear more about that. Um, okay. Um, moving on to our next video here. So this is reference number 21. It's from TikTok account at Sim Kern, um, who is a Jewish author, and we'll be talking more about the Jewish perspective. So here you go. So right now, if you are putting out a statement talking about how your heart goes out to the hostages in Israel, but you are not saying that your heart goes out to the people, the civilians, the children of Gaza, if you are condemning Hamas, but you are not simultaneously condemning the Israeli government and the U.S.'s unconditional support for the Israeli government as they are bombing civilians in Gaza, as they have cut off food and electricity to a city that is over 50% children because of the extremely low life expectancy rate there, because people there are suffering under the worst form of apartheid in the world's largest open air prison and constantly are experiencing violence at the hands of the Israeli army. If you didn't give a shit what was happening in Palestine up until two days ago, that is because you see Israelis as people and you do not see Palestinians as people. And if you live in the U.S. and that's you, it's understandable if you haven't been paying attention because the Western media is extremely white supremacist. And that is how racism works. Israelis get to be white. Palestinians are non-white and they are therefore not people. You see this difference in humanization when you look at the very rhetoric that media uses to describe the difference between Israelis being killed and Palestinians dying in the obfuscation of Israeli military aggression and settler aggression by calling such things clashes. And maintaining the dehumanization of Palestinians is so important to the project of white supremacist imperialism in Palestine that it is extremely threatening to do anything to humanize Palestinians. Which is why my suggestion yesterday, which I always make whenever there's violence in occupied Palestine, that people read a book, any book by a Palestinian author, that is so threatening to people. People take that as anti-Semitic, the suggestion that you read a book by a Palestinian. Because if you read a book by a Palestinian, it is going to humanize Palestinians for you and it will change the way you see this conflict forever. A few years ago on YouTube, I created the Read for Palestine challenge. And apparently that was so threatening that it got me put on an Israeli block list and this notorious website, which I won't name, but which like keeps tabs of, you know, people they say are notorious anti-Semites. And I, a Jewish, an outspoken Jewish author, am, according to them, a horrible anti-Semite because I, just because I encourage people to read Palestinian literature. So before you fix your mouth to say anything about what is going on in Israel and Palestine right now, ask yourself, have you sought out Palestinian voices to listen to? Have you ever read a book by a Palestinian author? If you need suggestions, check out my last video. Alrighty, and we're going to hear from them again in a, in a minute. Um, next, we're going to hear from this is reference number 38 tiktok account at mostly sapien um who is an author and a journalist here we go 
I want to break down the biggest myth about Israel, which is that Jews everywhere wanted it to exist. Now, I understand why people think this. Everyone knows that Israel was created in the aftermath of the Shoah after World War II. And therefore, they assume that the Jewish population around the world, battered and broken by those events, must have all seen the creation of the State of Israel as this sort of godsend moment, and that everyone was on board with it. But nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, whether the State of Israel should be created was one of the most intense debates in Jewish history, and plenty of Jews were vehemently against it. Jewish arguments against the creation of the State of Israel came in two flavors, religious and political. The religious arguments against the creation of the State of Israel are the easiest to understand, I think, so let's go into them first. Circa 70 CE, the Second Temple in Jerusalem was destroyed, and for the past 2,000 years, Jews have considered themselves in exile. Now, we are taught that we will all return to that land when the Messiah comes. But since the Messiah isn't here yet, a lot of Jews believed it would actually be sacrilegious to go and colonize that land again. Until the dead rise up from their graves and the descendant of King David comes to take us back there, who are we to tell God it's time to go back right now instead of when God wants us to go back? By the way, there are some extremely religious Jews who live in Israel and do not consider the Israeli government legitimate because it was not established by a descendant of King David and there is no Messiah or Mashiach. So that's the religious side. Now let's talk about the political side of why a lot of Jews thought the creation of Israel would be a very bad idea. The first is that a lot of them pointed out, hey, there's people living there now. We can't just go in and colonize it. You know, the thing they ended up being extremely right about. But the other thing, the other political argument, was that Jews had found themselves scattered all across the world, and they were deeply involved in various cultures around the world. They were European, they were Russian, they were etc., etc. And so a lot of Jews said, well, wherever we find ourselves, we have to make that our homeland. Not in the sense of, you know, gaining political influence and establishing a Jewish government, but in the more egalitarian sense of we need to set up a society where all people of all ethnicities and races and genders and, and whatever other identity can feel safe and protected. Because Jews were often not protected. Jews were often the subject of attacks and pogroms and libels. And so they understood firsthand what it meant not to feel welcomed in the country you find yourself in. And so a lot of them had a political project political, political project referred to as daikot, which translates from Yiddish to mean hereness. That is the sense that wherever you find yourself, you should try to establish an egalitarian society where Jews and everyone else are free to live. And one of the things that makes me so mad is how hard Israel has worked to stamp out Every line of Jewish thinking that does not support its apartheid, its colonization, and refuses to acknowledge the sheer breadth of Jewish opinion that existed before it came in and sucked all the air out of the room. What makes me even more furious 
is the way that Israel still leverages the history of the Shoah, of what happened to Jews during World War II, to emphasize and justify its continued oppression of another people. Now, I've made videos in the past about how it is anti-Semitic for non-Jews to compare Israeli Jews to NAZIs, and that is true. But I have personal experience with how that history is used to try and indoctrinate Jews outside of Israel into supporting the Zionist cause. In my K-12 Jewish day school, they would often call assemblies in the gym, and we would all file in there. And then a Holocaust survivor would give a speech and tell us about the horrors that happened to them in Germany and the rest of Europe during that time. Then, after that speaker left the stage, some ambassador or diplomat from Israel would come up and start telling us about how we have to support Israel to prevent that from happening again. Remember, he's speaking to children after they were just told about horrors that happened to their ancestors that they can't even begin to wrap their minds around. And now this this official of a foreign state is trying to connect that generational trauma to supporting a foreign government. And it, like, to anyone who's been through similar things and sees this and hasn't deprogrammed themselves, you need to internalize how absolutely fucked up that is to do to kids. Israel also has the birthright program, which gives free trips to Israel to any Jew who lives abroad. And by the way, that program was primarily funded by American right-wing billionaire Sheldon Edelstein, who died a few years ago, and who was also heavily involved in Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's ongoing corruption scandals. I went on one of those trips, despite supporting Palestine, first of all, because I needed to see firsthand how that propaganda works. And let me tell you, putting a bunch of Jewish 18 to 25-year-olds together in a setting that really encourages hookups and plying them with alcohol is a great way to indoctrinate people into just loving whatever country you've given them a free trip to. Partway through our trip, we were joined by a group of Israeli soldiers who remained with us for the last week of the trip. These soldiers were so clearly instructed to just be friendly with us and to answer all of our questions in a way that framed Israel positively. But it was pretty clear they didn't really like us. They were just there to play the role of gracious hosts, ambassadors enlisted by the state of Israel, to make us fall even more in love with it. And when you realize how much money, time, and effort is put into continuously trying to brainwash other people around the world into accepting the political realities of your unjustified apartheid, well, it's very clear that that effort has to be put in for a reason. It's very clear that if that effort was not put in, people would start to see through the charade. Which brings me to my final point, and by the way, if you've stuck with me this far, consider giving me a follow or a like. Israel weaponizes the concept of anti-Semitism regardless of how it hurts other Jews. 
Because they claim to represent Jews, they can then make the false claim that any criticism of their government is a criticism of all Jews in general and is therefore anti-Semitic. Now this is a bit like crying wolf, because then when actual anti-Semitism happens around the rest of the world, Israel's nowhere to be found. They don't speak for Jews anywhere outside of their borders. And because they spend so much time claiming that any criticism of their apartheid regime is anti-Semitism, people who complain about anti-Semitism, when it's really happening, get brushed off. Because they are then lumped in with the people who are defending apartheid. That was the end. It ended very abruptly, but that's the end of his video. Um, up next, we're going to hear from... Uh, reference number 61. Um, this is a TikTok account at Sam Kern again, who is a Jewish author. And they're um, responding to the question, do Jews, quote, need a homeland? Um, and here's that video. I did want to speak about something real quick because some of my fellow Jewish leftists have really been disappointing me. Because you're hanging on to this premise that Jews need their own theocratic ethnostate. No, no one gets a theocratic ethnostate. We live in a diverse, heterogeneous world where human beings have been moving across it all over the place for many, many tens of thousands of years. And I get why you think this, because we are fed this from birth and ritually reminded of it every year as part of our religion, that we have suffered so much and that we need a homeland. But it's just ahistorical to think that Jews have suffered in some unique and special way that makes them entitled to a theocratic ethnostate. Unfortunately, genocide is a dime a dozen in this world. Even looking at European history, yeah, I mean, the Christians really put a target on the Jews back for a good 1,700-ish years there, give or take. But as bad as Jews had it, Romani's had it worse just about everywhere. So where's their theocratic ethnostate? Who are we going to kick off their land at gunpoint to give Romani's a homeland? Jews, at least we got to have shtetls. I mean, sure, they were, you know, targeted for massacres occasionally, but the Romani's weren't even allowed to sit down let alone being held as chattel slaves in Romania for 500 years. And just look around the world. Look at black people in the Americas. Look at indigenous people all over the planet. They've all been enslaved and genocided by Christo-fascist colonizers. So our suffering just isn't that special. And the only reason that the UK and the US went along, like touted that line and gave us an army was because they didn't want Jews in their countries after World War II. And they said, oh shit, we can send all these Jews to a desert where the indigenous people there have no standing army to defend themselves with and no modern military technology. And then we get an economic and military foothold in the Middle East that will always be beholden to us. Yeah, the UK and the US thought that was a pretty sweet deal after World War II. And y'all are leftists. I'm talking about Jewish leftists. Like everyone gets a place to live and everyone gets equal rights where they live. So that means... No theocratic ethnostates, like anywhere, for anyone. That's just kind of how it's got to be. And if you're carving out an exception for Jews just because you're Jewish, then you have no ideological integrity. So we need to think that one through a second time, folks. 
Okay. Um, next, we're um, getting now to voices of Palestinians who are actually in Gaza right now. Um, this next one is reference number 70, which is from TikTok account at devotedly yours. Um, and they're going to open with um, a video of a Palestinian woman in Gaza. Um, and then they're going to close with a video of um, a man from an international orthodox a Jewish anti-Zionist group speaking. So here we go. It's 2 a.m. and I can't go to sleep after knowing what happened today and what is about to happen to Palestinians. I highly doubt this was even reported properly in the media today because guess what? MSNBC just let go their three Muslim reporters. And to those who have said in my comments that Israel warns Palestinians before they drop bombs, let me tell you exactly what happened today. The Israeli army asked 1.1 million Palestinians from the north side of Gaza to evacuate to the south and gave them 24 hours. They were also given specific roads to take that would be the safe route. And when they did so, Bombs were dropped on them. I can't show you the video of all the bodies because this will probably get flagged and removed, but go to Sean King's page if you can stomach it. You can listen to this young Palestinian on what happened to them when they tried to evacuate. They, they push people to evacuate from the northern to the southern areas via a, a, a safe route, as, as they said. Okay, that was a trick. That was a trick. They targeted ambulances, cars, and buses in the road and more than more than 150 people were killed until now as i heard from other press uh, and other journalists i can't even imagine that i'm living this i can't even i can't imagine this, that this is real i'm losing my mind i'm losing my life please do something at this point over 2,000 palestinian civilians have been killed 600 of them being children in six days if it still isn't obvious that they are trying to silence anybody who looks like me or anybody who dares to speak out and share the truth because again you will never see videos and photos of what is actually happening to palestinian civilians because they don't want to humanize them and remember how the israeli government tried to say we should delete social media apps because we're about to see something that we cannot unsee obviously that never happened and because it didn't work and because we're still here now they are removing internet access from Palestinians in Gaza so that we don't see what they're about to do to them. And look how much they're trying to censor everything. State Department staff wrote that high-level officials do not want press materials to include three specific phrases, de-escalation slash ceasefire, an end to violence slash bloodshed, and restoring calm. CNN analysis does show that internet traffic has collapsed and the pages that I follow on Instagram of Palestinians Palestinians in Gaza, they are not posting anymore. They are literally telling us what they're trying to do. Right now, one goal, Nakba. Nakba that will overshadow the Nakba of 1948, Nakba in Gaza. And if you don't know what that is, that is the 1948 Palestinian catastrophe. Over 700,000 Palestinians lost their homeland. 
That is what they're trying to do. To the thousands of Jews who protested in New York, don't for a second think that we don't know how brave you are for doing so. We see you, we love you, and we appreciate you. It is not the difference of religions which is causing this conflict. The state of Israel does not represent all Jews and certainly does not represent the Jewish religion. According to Jewish religion, all of this is criminal. All of this is forbidden. Basics of Jewish belief teaches that Jews are in, in a divinely de decreed exile. We are even forbidden to create a sovereignty for ourselves. But especially when this is by killing, stealing, oppressing an entire people. This is not only criminal according to international law. This is a true violation of Judaism. Um, yes, that was... Um, ended with a man named David Feldman from the Neutral Karta, which is an international Orthodox Jewish anti-Zionist group. Um, the previous part of that video um, shared by the TikTok account at Devotedly Yours. Um, I just lost my train of thought. Hang on. Oh, um, when she talks about the Nakba, she's there's a, a it's a quote from someone in the Israeli government saying that that's their goal. Um, when she talks about the internet traffic going down, she shares a screenshot of a tweet, of a report of this the um, internet traffic coming out of Gaza. Um, there's um, uh, all of this to say that it there's um, she has uh, references to support what she's claiming what she's saying. Um, and again, if you want to see um, the reference, that was reference number 70, or you can watch this YouTube video. Um, and the link is in the description. Um, all right. Next, we have um, a TikTok account. This is reference number 57 from TikTok account at Nelly by Nature, who lived in the West Bank for months. And this is what she has to say. Okay, so um, I have been to both Israel and Palestine. I wouldn't say I went there for a couple of days or weeks. I would say I lived in the West Bank. I was there for months. Um, I lived in the homes of Israelis and I lived in the homes of Palestinians. And every time that I try to make a video or, or say something, I, I like completely delete it because I feel like nothing I, I can say, like I, I have no words. I interviewed both Israelis and Palestinians, and you can see my work on my page. And if I find it so difficult to to talk, so it shocks me when I open this app and I see white people lecturing the children of colonization, the children of apartheid, the children of of slavery. That you know, this is such a complex issue, and you know, we have no right to talk about it. As if this is the first time that we have ever seen this. We are literally watching genocide happen live on television. We're being gaslit in ways that I cannot even comprehend. If there's anything that I've learned in my time from Israel and Palestine, it's that this issue really isn't that complicated, okay? On the one hand, you have Palestinians who simply want to be free. 
they want to live they want to live on the land um they want to be treated like a human being they want dignity and if you ask them to show you where their ancestors are buried for hundreds of generations they can point and show you where their ancestors are scattered and they have the keys to their homes that they lost that settlers joyfully get to live in and on the other side you have israelis who will tell you that god gave them this land that is their belief now for me i never knew god to be a real estate agent and i don't know as a collective to what extent do palestinians have to participate in their reality we are watching palestinians in gaza be bombed to death okay they have nowhere to go they are trapped and we know this information and we're saying it's okay it's okay because look what they've done when there has been a slow genocide of palestinians happening for 80 years and we're and we're having a conversation that this is such a complicated issue. There is this conversation happening that if Palestinians actually become free, that they would kill all the Israelis, that they would kill all the Jewish people. And I just want to say something. You guys do know that there are Jewish people that live in the West Bank, right? There are Samaritan Jews that live in Nablus. Okay, they've been living there for thousands of years with Muslims. Okay, there are Christians that live in the West Bank with Palestinians. There is harmony in Palestine. Okay, there are bars and clubs like this idea that, you know, Palestinians are, are you know, Islamic and, and they're these fundamentalists. And it's like, you do know right now you can get a beer in a mullah. You can go dance if you want. Like this idea that, you know, Palestinians will inflict horror on Israelis and Jews if they are free. It is a myth. It is a lie. And it is a rhetoric we've heard too many times before. You know, has any African nation that has been liberated by their colonizers, did they go and kill their colonizers? No. Did India and Pakistan kill the British when they were freed? No. Did, did Bangladesh kill Pakistanis when they were liberated? No. This idea that people of color are inherently violent, that if we are free, that we would cause chaos. And we have never been the ones to cause chaos. And I need people to understand that this is a myth. It is a lie. And at its core, it is racism. Um, I realized I misspoke earlier when I said we were going to start hearing from um, Palestinians in Gaza. Um, I was too early. That that's coming in a second here. Um, yeah, I just wanted to correct that. Um, I have. I'm kind of at a loss for words after playing each of these videos because I can't add anything to what's being said most of the time. Um, so I just am letting it stand on its own. Um, alrighty, next we have um, 
reference number 48. This is from um, a, a, pack, a Palestinian man. He's, he's not in Gaza, um, but he has family who is, who are family who are in Gaza. I don't know. Anyway, um, his Instagram account is at sbeih.jpg. Um, and hold on. I just actually, I have his, his name and I just lost it. Hang on just a second. Um, bear with me here. Subi, um, is his name and, um, is going to be, he's responding to a comment that says, you speak very well. It is a shame that you are so misinformed. I would love to speak with you respectfully and try to prove to you how wrong you are with nothing but facts and history. People who support Palestine love to spew nonsense words that they see in propaganda videos, but don't actually know the root and cause of the problem. And so, um, uh, God, I lost my spot again. Hold on. And so, um, Subi is going to respond to this and a reminder, he's a Palestinian man himself. I will forever be stunned at the fact that there are Israelis and pro-Israelis who genuinely think like this, who with all their heart believe that they have the right to accuse me of being misinformed and asking me where I get my information. I'm Palestinian. I get my information from my family who is native to Palestine because we are native to the land. You get your information from CNN and Fox News. This is the house my father was born in, in Palestine. This is the house my grandfather was born in, in Palestine. The house that my great-grandfather built when he married my great-grandmother in the late 1800s, in Palestine. This is our land that my great-great-great-great-great-grandfather planted full of olive trees for our olive oil factory, in Palestine. This is the house my great-grandfather fought off the British and Israeli army from in 1948. He locked off the gates to the house, went up to the second floor, stood with his rifle, and fought off the British and Israeli army. Till now, there are still bullets on the walls of my great-grandfather's house. My family fought off the army and prevented our land from being occupied by Israel and Britain. That's where I get my information from. That's why I believe I have ties to that land. Whereas you, some white boy from Ohio or a white girl from Brooklyn with 116th Jewish blood pulling your information about the land from Wikipedia, think you have claims over my land and think that you have the right to accuse me of being misinformed. Yeah, Alena! While my grandfather was harvesting olives and tilling the land that your family is allowed to live on now, your grandfather was living in some suburb in the middle of New Jersey. The delusion is so real, ya Rabbi. Every time I get these kinds of messages and comments from these people, and I, I get a lot, every time I get them, I have to sit in silence and just think, because I genuinely cannot fathom the fact that there are actually people out there who think like this, who are so delusional and lost wrapped up in Israeli propaganda and this fallacy known as Israel, this settler colonial state of Israel, a literal made up country. And they think they have the right to question us Palestinians. Oh my God, <laughs> I can't, I can't. Ya Sabirna, Ya Alrighty, um, next we're gonna hear from, 
this is reference number 41. This is from um, a TikTok account called Anat International. Um, this is um, a woman, Salma Shawa, who is Palestinian, being interviewed by the BBC. Um, she's she's recording her side of the of the interview. She's on her phone, so you're going to hear her speaking to somebody on the BBC through her phone about life in Gaza and the media bias. So here we go. In the beginning of this year, since the beginning, since January 2023, up to the middle of August, 200 Palestinians have been killed by this merciless occupation, by this settler colonizer state, and no one batted an eye. And now they're batting an eye when Israel is impacted. Now we're making headlines. Some, uh, we've, I must point out that certainly as far as the BBC is concerned, we've seen no uh, verification of chemically banned weapons being used in the, in the attack on Gaza. So we'll just have to leave that and, you know, what, what transpires in the future, but certainly no verification of that at the moment. As regards the cycle of violence, Salma, that just, just as you feel justified in talking about uh, the repression of people within Gaza, there'll be those who look at videos that were shot on Saturday of 260 youngsters being murdered. At a, at a music festival and, 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 and talk equally of, of barbarism there. Presumably you can't support the actions of Hamas this weekend. Before I answer you, before I got on this call, I asked whoever practiced with me uh, to not ask a trap question to paint us as demons on this call because I'm here to tell my story and the story of millions of Gazans that are currently trapped. I and this this is I'm the problem trapped, of mainstream not, media. No, no, I am not, Samo, take it, I am not trying to trap you. I'm just kind of, in, in a way, does it not illustrate the cycle of violence that that will continue in perpetuity until 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 a solution is found sure the solution the root feels agreed yes what is the root cause of the problem it's colonization it's fascism it's the ethnic cleansing of palestinians that is the root cause that needs to be eradicated right now we have been trapped in gaza for 17 years can you imagine when you were young when you were between the ages of 19 to 29 which is the majority of the people trapped in gaza what were you doing you were out you were living your life, you were getting internships, going to college, you were traveling the world with your friends. We don't have that chance. We don't get that chance. We don't get it. The people that are trapped for 17 years inside of a big cage do not get that chance. We've just been traumatized and re-traumatized. We are the innocent ones here and there's a perpetrator. So I just wanted to ask a question about, uh, I think think you're illustrating it yourself, but any surveys I show so that that show there's about 50% of popular support within Gaza for for Hamas. Do you think that that will rise as a result of this? Or do you think people looking at the the ramifications of what's happened, do you think popular support may wane for Hamas? Oh, well, I'm, I'm so sorry. I think you got the, per- the wrong person on the line because I'm not here to discuss some surveys. I'm here telling you that I'm dying from fear for my parents right now. And so are millions of Gazans. And you're asking me these questions. This shows how far away from reality you are. You guys are so detached. You haven't lived a day in our shoes, let alone we've lived it for 17 years. Salma, you've made your point very forcibly. We'll leave that there. Thank you, Salma Shah, who's uh, from... Gaza, I'm sure. And Forcibly, you mean in a humanitarian way, in the right way. And that that's a kind of a what I'm, I mentioned in episode in the second episode of this series, um, episode forty, I think it was. Um, 
the way that media interviews Palestinians about this and um, uses up all the time to talk about Hamas without allowing any time to talk about um, the how Israel is genociding Palestinians. Um, next, we're going to uh, hear from, this is reference number 10, at the Instagram account at the IMEU, which is a nonprofit um, from New York City serving Palestine. And this is a video of a 16-year-old girl talking about what it's like in Gaza. Hi, my name is Sarah Pseso, and I live in Gaza, Palestine. Let me tell you about how it is like from a Palestinian's point of view that's living in Gaza right now. These past six days, we've had no rest, we barely slept through the night, and the kids in our family don't know what to do. They don't know what to expect, they barely understand what's going on. We had to evacuate, leave house to house three times. My first neighborhood has been bombed with white phosphor, and it's known to be illegal, but apparently nothing is too illegal for to be used on us. Two days ago, they asked 1.1 million people of us, Gaza people, to go south. But the question is, where should they go? They're asking them to leave their houses, their homes, their neighborhood, the people that they love and their friends to go evacuate south. We don't have anywhere to go. They told us to go south because it's going to be safer. Then they started bombing us south. I don't know what you guys want, expect me to do, but we have faced, they've been using on us war crimes. They cut up electricity, water, and all, all life resources that a human being needs to live. They're breaking international law again and again, but who cares? It's just kids in Palestine, right? No one cares about us. How are we supposed to get our voice out? What we're asking for is for peace. We want this to stop. What is our fault of being civilians? Was it my only fault that I've been born in this city or in this country? Is that the only fault of those kids that have been killed? Most of the people that have been bombed and killed were civilians, were babies, were, were children less than 18 that they don't understand what's going on. I can tell you, half of the people right here with me, don't, half of those kids don't understand why this is happening to them. They're asking why. Could you tell us why this is happening? Um, next we're going to hear from the Instagram account at Salma Sharub. This is reference number 11. Um, she's a digital creator um, and is a Palestinian living in Gaza. And this is um, what her what she's experiencing. Day six of the aggression happening on Gaza, I'll be giving you a picture about how me and my family have been surviving this whole time and how the people who've already lost their houses are living in Onorwa school and in the hospitals. And as you can hear, the bombs are still going. Israel have caught water, so we're running out of water and we're trying to cope and use it as careful as we can to fit our very necessary needs. No time for showers, no time for that. Also, Gaza ran out of fuel, so there's no electricity for the whole town. We can watch the news. You might know the news more than I do here in my house in Gaza. Most houses in Gaza are also running out of food. Uh, there's no time to make a recipe or a whole dinner. We just stick to water if we have it. However, for the people who've already lost their houses and are living in Onorwa schools or the hospitals, Shifa Hospital right now, they're running out of water, electricity, food. They're running out of medicine and medical supplies. We're running out of everything and we're running out of life. So 
I don't know what's the word waiting for. There's nothing coming to Gaza, nothing coming out of Gaza, no one. We're all just stuck in a war zone. At this point, they're targeting everything. They're targeting ambulance. They're targeting people who are trying to rescue people who've already been targeted. This is getting out of control. No one could ever handle what's happening in Gaza. The aggression needs to be over before we are. Um, here's a, a second video from the same creator, same creator, um, Instagram at Salma Sharab. Um, this is reference number seven in the spreadsheet. Hello world, this is Salma Sharab. I live in Gaza and have been living in Gaza my whole life. That means I've witnessed so many aggressions on Gaza, but yet have I ever seen anything this aggressive. No, the aggression on Gaza have been going for the fifth day by now. And thankfully, I still have my home and I still have my life and my family. This time, I'm doubting that I make it out alive. All my friends have either lost their house, a family member. This time, there's no safe place around. Yesterday, we have to evacuate the whole building. I have to leave my room, my house, and my, my memories to go to a place that is no safer than my house. So we had to return back home because if I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die in my house. This is my bed. I've moved it several times this night, trying to find the safest room to be with my family. This is my bag, ready to evacuate anytime with all the essentials I need. I don't think it's enough for me to survive, but I'll try my best to stay alive and tell the truth. Yesterday, they have bombed the only borders we have with the world to get out of this war zone, but they're not letting us get out. They're making us stuck in this cage and making everyone wait for their death. Gaza is no longer a city to live in. It's a ghost town. All the places I work in is yeah, destroyed by now. The university in my graduation year. I don't think I'll ever graduate by now. There's no shelters, they cut off the water, all the bathrooms are closed. They cut off the internet, they bombed all the internet places in Gaza. So the internet connection is very poor and it's very bad. That means the truth is not coming out as it should be. And I haven't slept in two days. Every time I close my eye, I either hear a bomb or see a light or hear a noise or hear a scream or hear a neighbor evacuating. So I'm like, should I evacuate now or should I just wait for my death in my own house? It's really confusing. Here we're living times that have never existed in any humanity possible. This aggression needs to be over. Palestinian life matter. Gaza life matter. We're not numbers. Um, and that creator, Asama Sharab, um, hasn't posted in several days. Um, and as as you heard earlier, the the internet, uh, the electricity has been turned off um, by Israel to Gaza. So the ability for folks who are actually there to get their their message out to share what what's going on is very very limited. Um, next, we're going to hear from um, Janan Matari. Um, this is reference number eighty four. They are, uh, she's a Palestinian storyteller, um, and yeah, here we go. This is a call to action, demand, whatever you want to call it, to hold journalists and media personnel and media outlets accountable for aiding in the genocide of 2 million people in Gaza, Palestine.
In every other righteous profession, and we can agree that journalism is a righteous profession, there are consequences for acting irresponsibly. If you're a lawyer, you are disbarred. If you're a doctor, your medical license is revoked. If you're a teacher, you lose your teaching license. And yet, if you're a journalist and you act irresponsibly and you are negligent in the information that you are putting out and inciting hate throughout the general public for a certain group of people, there is nothing to hold you accountable. In the early days of what was happening in Gaza, the headlines in major news outlets were identical to headlines that you can find about other groups who have been genocided in the past. During the early days of American colonization, people were told that natives were scalping white babies. During the Holocaust, Jews were called subhuman by the media. And through the entirety of American history, including today, the media ignites fear against black men as a rape threat to women, specifically white women. All of this results in death, mass death. In the early days of everything that was happening in Gaza, the media took unsubstantiated claims, claiming that Palestinian men were raping women and beheading babies, and they ran wild. They knew it would suck their audiences in, and they knew that it would be clickbait, and they knew that it would distract people from what's happening right now. We need to start labeling this as media malpractice. You give airtime to fascists knowing full well what that will do to the general public. They are bombing, they are using white phosphorus bombs on a million children. A million children. No journalist on air right now is saying that enough. A million children. And as media consumers and as people who trust the media and who demand to know truth and who expect proper due diligence to be done, we need to start holding the media accountable for aiding in genocides throughout generations. And I don't care if this means that I will never get another job in the media industry. I don't care. My people are dying and you all had a part to play in it. Um, we're going to, at the at the end of the episode, um, I'm going to share um, action items that includes how to contact um, media. Um, so stick with me. Um, but there's also at the top, very top of the spreadsheet, there's two links in red. <laughs> They're also in the description below uh, the uh, words. They're in the, de the description of this episode. Um, the links um, of how to take action and a, a public toolkit um, with ways you can get involved. Um, to address the misinformation um, that's happening with the media. So I want to um, close out with this. It's the same creator we just heard from, Janan Matari, who is, a, again, a Palestinian storyteller. There's um, two Instagram posts that they did that are really... <laughs> I found them really impactful. Um, and so I'm going to just go ahead and read them because they were, they're text, so I can't share the, any video for this. And this is reference number C on the spreadsheet. If you've ever wondered what you'd have done in times of American slavery and how outspoken and how much personal risk and protection you'd have offered during the Holocaust or how you'd have reacted to the internment camps in America, and how deeply and how often you'd 
you'd have protested for civil rights. Take a look at whatever you're doing now for Gaza and know that it's exactly what you would have done in times before. So often we teach and speak of history as though humanity has grown and learned from it. But what a lie that is. We don't learn or progress. We simply recycle contempt, finding new ways to be complicit as we watch old old tactics used on new people. We use, it was a different time, and lack of knowledge in times before internet and social media as an excuse to coddle and relinquish the guilt of those of our past for their inaction. But now we know, as hundreds of thousands of videos and images and millions of cries for help are circulating at rapid speed of white phosphorus bombs dropping on one million children trapped in a cage with nowhere to go, who are simultaneously being starved to death alongside their one million plus parents, that even if you knew, which you always did, you still would not have moved. Abolition is uncomfortable, but it has all but it has proved to be worth it every single time, and yet it seems to never be what we initially choose. Instead, we'll recycle contempt and look for ways to coddle and relinquish our guilt so that new generations will make excuses for us, for the monsters that we truly were. And then the next um, post from Janan Matari on Instagram, this is um, reference number D. Um, and I share this because I think, um, she's angry. And in addition to the voices of fear, um, coming out of Gaza, I think it's also important to listen to the anger because the anger is justified and the anger is, is righteous. So this is her post. Context. Like so many other things seems to be another only Did I read that wrong? Let me try again. Context. Like so many other things seems to be only... God, I can't do this. Let me try again. Context. Like so many other things seems to be another only afforded to whiteness and the likes of it. No one wanted context when unsubstantiated claims and blatant lies were spreading like wildfire about our men raping women and beheading babies. Context, which was Israel, had decades upon decades of history and unlimited funding for falsifying reports that paint Palestinians as evil and barbaric to solid to to so to solidify sorry to solidify support for them murdering us. I stand with Israel. No one wanted context to understand why Palestinians might fight for liberation with half an ounce of the aggression and violence that our oppressors use on us every day. Violence is never the answer. But suddenly, in the case of Gaza and its children, context is demanded. It is necessary for you as you watch bombs dropping from the sky at rapid speed on a city of mainly children. It's complicated. Well, look what they've done. Well, they shouldn't have. Fuck your context. And I'm going to close out... um, this series with um, what I started it with. This is reference number 82 from TikTok account at Utica Masjid. Here we go. We're with the Palestinian resistance 100%. 
No ifs, no ands, no buts, no equivocations, no apologies, no condemnations. We don't need to go any further than that, right? Some people want to criticize the table manners of a starving person. You don't criticize the table manners of a starving person. You let them eat, right? You want to talk about, well, they shouldn't be doing things this way or they should be doing things that way. All right, get your boot off my neck and then walk. Right? And it's like this occupation has been going on for however many years. Stop the occupation and then we'll talk. Then we can talk about table manners. Then we can talk about this tactic and that tactic, right? But what happens is every single time is that we, we zoom in on the details and we forget about the bigger picture. And that's why we say Palestine has to be free first, period. And then we'll talk. Okay. Well, um, yeah, that's, I don't have anything to add to that. There's nothing I can add that would be, as profound as that. Um, so I want to talk real briefly about action items, ways you can help, ways you can get involved. Um, so again, there's two links. One is provided by Adela Justice, which is a justice project um, supporting pa by Palestinians for Palestinians. And they have a whole list of things that you can do. Um, I'm just going to read off some of the headlines here. Um, the, the titles of things that you can do. There's a national march for a ceasefire um, in Washington, D.C. coming up. Um, you can contact your congresspeople um, to request a ceasefire resolution now. There's a, pro a link of where you can find a protest near you. You can write to your Congress people to tell them to stop fueling the genocide in Gaza. There's a resource, a U.S. military funding map. You can pledge to stand with the Palestinian people. You can tell the Recording Academy to stop supporting apartheid Israel. You can tell Google to stop profiting off Israeli apartheid and violence against Palestinians. Um, you can tell Congress to stop funding the blockade and attacks on Gaza. Um, there's also um, a way to write your representatives to urge them to support legislation where wherein we don't spend our money, taxpayer money, to support Israel's genocide against Palestine. Um, and then the other link that's at the top of the spreadsheet is the um, public toolkit, which um, has a list of actions you can take with links and everything else. So there's a ceasefire resolution again from Representative Cory Bush that's on the on the House floor um and there's links on how you can contact your congress how you can email them or call them um th requesting folks to retweet um and see where you can find live updates to get the message out there's you can share um messages there's an urgent message from ahmed abu artema and a video message from muhammad el kurd we i shared um some of his videos in the previous episode um to share, to get the word out. Um, there's access to protest signs that you can print out. Um, sharing, like, of course, sharing the this toolkit on social media to let people know. Um, increase the visibility of demands on social media. Um, there's a whole list of accounts you can follow. Um, and... Um, yeah, I, I also want to mention, and I will be posting these on my, um, on both the Let's Therapize That Shit Instagram, as well as my own personal Instagram. Um, the, 
the account that I share, um, I've shared several of his videos, but in this episode, he was talking about his family tie, like his, the grand, his great, great grandfather living on the land, etc. Um, he, um, his Instagram account, his name is Subi and he is a, a social media strategist. So he's been talking a lot about ways to counteract the, the huge propaganda machine um, that Israel is like Israel, the Israeli government has a tremendous amount of money to pour into propaganda for pro-Zionism and pro-Israel. Um, and so Subi is, has been sharing ways to take action that will like get the word out trying to at least because we're also dealing with algorithms that are written by mostly white people. Um, so uh, he has a Gaza awareness um, link of accounts to follow of folks who are sharing live from Gaza, what's going on there. Um, content hubs accounts to follow on Instagram that are sharing, that are basically collecting stories um, and collecting news to share. And then there's accounts that he's shared for that you can follow for analysis. And look, um, oh, I just realized there's actually one more video I wanted to share um, just about how to kind of stay engaged, even when we're having really strong emotional reactions to what's happening. Um, this is reference number 85, and it's from TikTok. TikTok account at Hello Fellow Youth. So here we go. If you're an American citizen and you don't have ties to Palestine or Palestinian, and you're getting to a place where you're feeling hopeless, like helpless, like you feel like you can't do anything to change what is happening here, I really need you to wake the fuck up. I don't know how you emotionally manage yourself, but sometimes when I'm waddling in my feelings, I need a kick in the ass. So let this be the kick in the ass. American citizens and particularly white American citizens who have citizenship by birth are probably the single most powerful individual citizens of any nation in the world. And it is a tool from oppressors to lull you into apathy and disengagement and they win when you feel so helpless when you feel like every single individual action you take does not matter they are winning because when they do that to you they do that th to thousands of you and collectively that creates a mass consent because you are disengaged it creates mass consent for war it also creates mass consent consent for occupation mass consent for corporations to get away with whatever they want mass consent for politicians to get away with whatever they want it is dangerous to always tell yourself that because so many more powerful institutions are responsible you as an individual have no control this idea that there's no ethical consumption under capitalism is absolutely true however there are choices that all of us make every single day and that includes our purchasing power that includes our vote, that includes our money, that includes our time, and that includes our attention. Hopelessness and apathy, disengagement, feeling like you can't make a change is not an option. And if you are feeling that way, I need you to take a breath, not a couple hours, not a few days, just a few breaths, 
to regulate your emotions and remind yourself of your responsibility. I am so glad that you feel so much empathy and you feel so deeply to the point that you are overwhelmed in your feelings. That is powerful and meaningful to us that you are empathetic. However, you cannot let your empathy get to a place where your body chooses to shut down. So take a few moments to take a deep breaths and you need to identify two to three ways this week that you can make an impact to say that you dissent to, that you do not consent to war, occupation, genocide, bloodshed, war crimes. Your choices do matter. You could choose to march, right? I would highly encourage you to march with um, seasoned organizers to have a plan to make sure you know what you're going to do to get in and get out, go with a friend, follow the tactics that we learned from the great organizers of the Black Lives Matter movement. You should call your senator and your representative and make sure that they know that you unequivocally oppose U.S. tax funding, U.S. tax dollars, your tax dollars going to these crimes. If you actively donate to a political party or a series of politicians, you should check what their stance is, check what they have written, call them out, and withhold your money. If you volunteer for campaigns, do the same thing. If you have investments, such as retirement funds or other types of investments, you should go and make sure that you are invested in index funds and mutual funds that do not profit off of we weapons manufacturers. I did this many years ago. I just literally looked up target date funds for retirement accounts um, that do not uh, invest in any type of weapons manufacturing so that you yourself are not profiting off of um, this situation. And in particular, you're not profiting off of war crimes. Whatever districts you live in, from your state representatives to your congressional representatives, you need to look up what they have said, what they have been doing, what they have supported and not supported, and be very educated on that stance right now to call them out, but also when it comes time to elect or reelect them. Do not be afraid to say that you will withhold your vote from people who have supported America continuing to be enablers of war crimes, if not committing war crimes ourselves, across the world. These are steps you can take. They are meaningful steps. They do matter. You can make an impact. And I need you to know if you are a white American citizen born in this country, you are probably and frankly, inarguably the most powerful citizen of the most powerful superpower in the world. And that's not a good thing. <laughs> we didn't do this uh, through peaceful means. But you have a responsibility, right? And it is critical that you know how to leverage that responsibility with discipline and with focus. And that includes regulating your emotions so that you continue to make an impact. Okay. And I have nothing more to add that would be any more eloquent than what they just said. So, so I'm just going to go ahead and end here. Thank you for um, sticking with me on this four-part series. And please, please go take some action to support Palestinians and the folks in Gaza right now. And I'm just going to do my usual thing and, um, fuck, what is my usual thing? End this super abruptly. This has been Let's Therapize That Shit with your host, me, Joy Gerhard. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends about it. 
I'll see you next time. Intro intro music is Swan Lake Opus 20 by Tchaikovsky, performed by the London Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Anatoly Fistulari, and released on LP by Richmond High Fidelity London Records in 1952.